If you have a Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me and, and leave some marks, markers here. Ezekiel chapter 28, first of all, and then we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 14. And then this morning, following our, our, our two introduction chapters, I want to look at Daniel chapter 3. Some of you haven't been here, some of you just caught one or two studies, but we've been speaking about know your enemy, and this morning is part three. And so, we have been looking at this series, Concerning Christians, Do We Know Our Enemy? I'm a believer in Christ, you're a believer in Christ, you're a follower, a student of Jesus Christ. We must know our enemy and understand our enemy as much as possible. And who is our enemy? And that's what we've been teaching the last several weeks. It's Lucifer, it's Satan, it's the dragon, it's Beelzebub. He goes by many, many names. He's called the serpent, he's called the devil. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he's called the prince of the power of the air. We know in the book of Revelation, uh, in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, he's called in the Greek Apollyon. So we need to know our enemy. I'm not afraid of, of the enemy. Uh, I, I'm here to worship the Lord. I fear the Lord. And that's what we need to take place. And we've been talking about his downfall. His downfall is pride. We're going to see it in, Ephesians, in, in Isaiah excuse me, chapter 14. Now, when we get to Daniel, some of you have studied Daniel in time past. I've had the opportunity to teach it many times now. I love the book of Daniel, and it speaks about the 70th week of Daniel. We're waiting for that 70th week. We're at the 69 and a half week period, and the tribulation is coming. It's obvious. But we know that King Nebuchadnezzar had this pride. This was the downfall of Lucifer. Men, when we speak to the men, it's pride. Generally, when you go back to the sin nature, whatever it is, the bottom line is pride. And we look at some of the ladies, pride. And sometimes God has to work on that pride. Right now, I don't like what's going on in the evangelical circles. And that is pride has set in in some of these well-known churches and such, mainstream churches. And how can they vote for same-sex marriage? What does the Word of God have to say? And how can they, you know, go against Israel? And a lot is going on in this capacity right now. God says to love Israel. God says that Israel is the apple of their eye, of his eye. Jerusalem belongs to the Lord. It's not to be divided. Now, is there sin in Israel? Obviously. If you understand Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv is the capital of homosexuality uh, in Israel. They know it. In fact, the people of Tel Aviv say to themselves, we want to be like San Francisco. And again, we've labeled San Francisco, and several years back, Mary and I had the opportunity to go back to San Francisco. been years. And so once we got there, she said, let's take a tour. We've never done that. And that's true. We've never seen the whole city. Beautiful city. But everybody knows it because of its homosexuality. But there's so much other than that. This tour bus that we were on, it was just a small group, if you understand a tour bus, good size, easily 60 people would have fit there. There was 25 of us, and they were all couples. They were all, you know, baby boomers, basically. 
And I love when the, we get to this one point, he's showing us things that I've never seen in San Francisco. Because we basically we just go to Lombard Street, right? He takes us to this place. He's at the stop and he announces it. This is the, the guide. He goes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, but we have to go through this place. I don't like going through this place, but this is my job. He was talking about the homosexual community. He must have just saw all of us and said, hey, these are Christian or these are couples. They're not going to be offended. Nobody was. But they, they could have reported him. And as we get in there, you begin to see the rainbow, which obviously belonged to God at one time. It still does. But look what's going on. So do we label San Francisco, all of them homosexuals? No. And, and again, Las Vegas. Everybody says, well, you're going to Las Vegas, you're going to Sin City. Well, let's retract that. Yes, there's sin in Las Vegas, but there's sin in Las Cruces. There's sin in El Paso. There's sin in Albuquerque. Any city has sin. And so be careful when pride sets in, and that's all you want to dwell on. And so right now, in the evangelical community, there are those that are rejecting Israel. It is frustrating me. Because according to Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, God is not finished with the nation of Israel. Now, those of you that have been coming to the church, you know me. I love Israel. I love Jerusalem. I love the Jewish people. Yes, there's sin there. We reach out to them. We reach out to them. God is not finished with them. That's the 70 years, uh, seven years of tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel. It's still coming. It's to woo back the nation of Israel. God is not finished. Be careful with replacement theology. Hank Hanegraaff on the radio. He's, he's one of the guys that, that is pushing this thing. I'm listening to this series right now, and there, there's a guy that's a professor at Wheaton College. I had the opportunity to go there uh, for a seminar for pastors for a week. I loved it there. And, and the culture that's there. They have a Billy Graham, uh, you know, outreach there that shows you all his background, his museum. That's what I'm trying to say. And the professors there were great. I loved that. For one, I said, man, I wish I could come to school here. One of the professors that's leading there. Now, and he's behind this push of replacement theology. Listen, we take our eyes off of Jesus, we're in trouble. We take our eyes off of the apple of his eye, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. When we go to Israel, we pray for them. We go to Israel, even now, much more, because I've been hearing this about Tel Aviv. And we stay in Tel Aviv one night, we pray for them. There's no difference. We have homosexuals in this community. We have lesbians in this community. Pray for them. Jesus died for them. And so the issue is pride. It starts with Lucifer. Pride is in the church. King Nebuchadnezzar. Pride. Be careful with pride because what do the scriptures tell us that... Uh, Pride comes before destruction. And pride, I speak from experience, three and a half years, 1976, 1979, I'm okay, I don't need salvation. I was water baptized, I made my Holy Communion, I made my confirmation. We even got married in the church. I don't need the born again experience. 
God moves that pride. We're going to see King Nebuchadnezzar this morning. He fails and then he praises God for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. But it isn't until chapter 4 next week he gets saved. We're going to see him in heaven. And so those of you that haven't been studying with us, I want to go through it real quick. It gives us just the foundation. Ezekiel chapter 28 and then uh, Isaiah chapter 14. Then we're going to go to Daniel. So I'm going to go real quick. I've really gone through this so much now. This is the third time. We see a description of our enemy. It's Lucifer. We see that he was a created being. We see that he was in charge of the music ministry. I believe in heaven. Now, could this have been some of the king's attire? Yes. But I believe specifically, as we get into it, you will see that he's speaking about Lucifer. In verse 11, moreover, Ezekiel 28, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Ezekiel, Ezekiel's the one speaking, son of man, I take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus saith the Lord, why weep over the king of Tyre? Because uh, Satan, Lucifer, was creation of God. He was beautiful. And we need to pray when God, uh, he pours out his spirit and people take it. People come to salvation. Lucifer never did, but he was an angelic being. He had an opportunity. He chose. And that's you and I. We have choice. We're free moral agents. I can choose to receive Christ or to reject Christ. And that's why weep over the prince of Tyre. Notice how he speaks about Lucifer. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Listen to this now. The Garden of God. He was in the Garden of Eden, which is the area of Baghdad uh, today, that Middle East. Every precious stone was your covering. And we describe this as the covering in the book of Exodus of the high priest. Listen to the stones. This is the beauty of Lucifer. Uh, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald with gold. You ever do an opportunity to just study these colors? They're just magnificent colors. Some of them, we don't even know what they are. Then it describes his ministry. The workmanship of your timbrels, those are symbols as we see up here uh, in our worship team. The pipes or the flutes, any kind of flute of some type was prepared for you. On the day that you were created, this was the purpose of him. I believe he was... Part of the archangels in heaven. You have Michael, the combatant. You have Gabriel, the messenger. Lucifer, I believe, was part of the music ministry. And as we've shared in our teachings before, that's why music is so influential in our hearts. We can hear an old song and it just takes you back. It's so automatic. Notice how it says here. You were the anointed cherubim who covers, speaks about his wings. I establish you. Uh, you were on the holy mountain of God. Listen to his ministry. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Do a reference study in Exodus 24 verse 10. It's speaking about heaven, the domain of God. But he had a place there. Uh, you were perfect. Look at verse 15. In your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. The iniquity is pride, the sin of pride, Isaiah 14. By the abundance of your trading, 
Uh, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherubim, from the midst of the fiery stones. Lucifer eventually comes against God. We'll see it in Isaiah. Uh, and he was cast out of the abode of God. He was cast out of heaven. He had choice, free will, and he chose wrong. Verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. His heart was the problem. His beauty was the problem. His position was a problem. Why? Because pride had set in. You're better than Michael. You're better than Gabriel. You're better than anybody else here. In fact, in Isaiah, I'm better than God. That's what some of the cult leaders tell you today. Let's finish off the chapter, verse 18 and 19. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading, merchandising. Therefore, I brought fire from the midst and, and devoured you, and I returned you to ashes upon the earth to the sight of all who saw you. Satan was defeated at Calvary. He's not done yet, but he was defeated at Calvary. Look what he's done through the centuries. Look what he continues to do. But one day, he will be cast into the lake of fire, and he will become ashes. With the Antichrist, and with the false prophet, and everybody else that was taken out of hell, it's called the second death, and then they're placed into the Lake of fire. Let's finish it off. Verse 19. All who knew you among the peoples were astonished at you. You have become a horror. Uh, and I shall and shall be no more forever. Once he is finally judged and the day is coming. And even when we see him on judgment. We're going to see and we're going to be astonished. Is that him? Is that him? And again, don't use that concept that, you know, he was wearing the red pajamas, he's got the little horns, he's got the tail and the pitchfork. That's folklore. The Bible says he's upright. Then he was cursed. Listen, when Eve was talking to the serpent upright, she wouldn't have been talking to a snake. But he was cursed to the ground. And he's been cursed to the ground ever since. But that doesn't stop him. He has the demons that, that have followed him. According to Revelation chapter 12, there was a great battle with Lucifer and Michael the archangel, but obviously Lucifer lost. And then he takes a third of the angels with him, or the stars of heaven. Those are the demonic forces. That's what's going on. And I've shared two of the stories with you in time past. But let's go to Isaiah now, chapter 14, and we'll deal some more with it. Now, we saw his position. This is the king of Tyre, which we understand as Lucifer in Ezekiel 28. Now we come, and exactly the specification here, Lucifer's fall. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 21. What destroyed him? Pride. What destroys us? Pride. Listen to the proverb, just one. There's many of them. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. 
I'm okay. You're okay. That's what we say. And we need to come to Christ. Look at verse 12 now. Isaiah 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will. Here are the five I wills of Lucifer. God let him. Go ahead. Say what you need to say. And then at the conclusion, that's it. I will ascend into the heaven and I will exalt the throne, my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. In other words, I'm ahead of Gabriel. I'm ahead of Michael. I'm the head one here. And finally, I'm ahead of you, God. Imagine that. I will ascend, verse 14, above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high God. That's the position of cult leaders today. In Mormonism, they teach you can be a God. This is the teachings. You have to see the doctrine. And it's so sad. How can you, the audacity that you tell God, I will, the fifth time, I'm going to take over your throne. Did he forget God created him? Did he forget that he had a position in heaven? He was in charge of the worship. And I'm telling you, church, in the 30 plus years of ministry, this is the hardest hit ministry. Worship. I talk to a lot of pastors. Worship. The worship leader gets puffed up. The drummer gets puffed up. The guitar player, the singer. I mean, I've heard it all, the story. And every now and then here at our chapel, there's a little uprising and boom, we got we to gotta nail it quick. Listen, you guys recognize where this is coming from? And they, they have to see it. The devil doesn't like it. And he's going to trick you. He's going to put thoughts in you. And so I will be like the most high God. Notice verse 15. Yet, he says, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. I want you to write this scripture down. Matthew 25, verse 41. The judgment of the nations. Jesus is talking about the judgments of the nation. He speaks of them in the reference. The goats are on his side the, and the sheep are on the other side. The goats obviously will be judged. And they were cursed to hell. Listen, when you read the context, hell was not created for mankind. Hell was created for the fallen angels. Lucifer and the demons. But because we sin, and we're going to see that at the end, Lucifer has descendants. Lucifer has a family. You say, Pastor Bob, who are those angels or his family? No, they work for him. But anybody that does not serve the Lord, either you serve God or you serve Lucifer. I didn't like that when I heard it years ago. You either serve God or, or you serve Lucifer. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's no purgatory. There's no limbo. There's no in-between. People need to understand this. And your goodness is not going to get you in there. It's a lot of good people, as they say, in hell today. And so listen to the verse again. You shall be brought down to Sheol, which is Hades, or hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you, Consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth to tremble, who shook kingdoms? 
And that's exactly what he's done. Who made the world as a wilderness and, and destroyed its cities. Who did not open the house of the prisoners. Didn't Christ open the house of the prisoners? I come to set the captives free. Satan doesn't come to set anybody free. He comes to bind you. And he comes to put you in the cell, which is hell, eventually. And so, you who made the worlds as a wilderness, what has Lucifer done? Look what's going on in the Middle East. We see the pictures. Look at Syria. Look what's happened to this area where it's called Baghdad. It's called Babylon. That's what Saddam Hussein wanted to do. He wanted to build his own empire. He wanted to be the next King Nebuchadnezzar. But it's all destroyed. It's cursed. Look what's going on. Third world countries. Satan has a hold of these things. I love that verse that it says, who made the world as a wilderness. This was the area of the Garden of Eden, just so beautiful. Look at verse 18. All the kings of the nations, all of them, asleep in glory, everyone and his own household. Now we know that kings in the Old Testament, the New Testament, presidents up to now, anybody with clout, position, they're all going to die. But if we die without Christ, we're nothing but dead men's bones. That's what Christ said to the Sanhedrin. In verse 19, but you are the cast out of, uh, of your grave like an abominable branch, like a, the garment of those who are slain, uh, thrust through with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trodden underfoot. Vivid description of death. He says, you will not be joined with them in burial, speaking to Lucifer, because you have destroyed your land and slain your people, the brood of evildoers shall never be named. Satan will not even join the dead. Listen, he will be cast into the lake of fire and he will burn forever and ever. But he has family because look at verse 21. He says, prepare slaughter for his children because of the iniquity of their fathers, lest they rise up and possess it the land that is, and fill the face of the world with cities. Lucifer has offsprings. Lucifer has descendants. Lucifer has a family. You know, oftentimes people say, do you know your family tree? Oh, if you're of God, you're of the family of God. According to Romans chapter 11, yes, the branch, we're the grafted in branch to Israel. How can we deny Israel? And yet people have denied Israel. Uh, again, church, I, want, I covered this deeper, but I wanted to give you, because that's the introduction. Lucifer was real, and he still is. He has demons that are real, and they still are. And they will tempt you. They will tempt you. They will test you. And if they lost you, they lost a customer, they want you back. He's on a mission to search and destroy. Now, I told you several stories about demonic warfare. And as I was thinking about it years ago, I received a phone call at home here in Cruces. And it was from my sister-in-law back home. She's a LAPD and out of patrol and such. And so she was dealing with this man. 
this man that got into her vehicle and he's, you know, locked up in the back seat and he threatened her. He says, I'm a high priest. And he said, I left a curse in your car. A curse. This man's tied up. And he says, look under there. So she did. She looked under the seat after uh, it was over. And there was a chicken bone in there. I never forgot it. And she's not of a religious person, but yet she, was a, she believed in God. She knew who I am and Mary, so she called. And I said, Sandra, plead the blood of Christ. I'm going to pray for you. She accepted Christ. She passed away last year. She got sick and she passed away. I hope and pray she never forgot that we prayed. I hope and pray. She had much respect for Mary and I. The demons are real. I said, nothing is going to happen to you if you trust God. Plead the blood of Christ. They had people in the police force there that, that are Christian. There's always Christians. There's always a remnant of God's people. There's a story of a demonic man Filled with demons, a little Filipino, he weighed 120 pounds, the nothing, five foot nothing, and the cops took him in. Nobody knew what to do with him. They were afraid. He was throwing cops every which way. And these cops are built, muscular. The guy that was in charge said, call Mrs. So-and-so. They knew her. She worked at the police force. When they came to her office, they said, the commander needs you. She goes, I know. And she opens her drawer. She takes her Bible. She's walking down the hallway. The demon starts yelling. This is honest to God truth. Not her. Send somebody else. Not her. And you've seen those doors. They have that little glass. All she did is put the Bible up on the glass. And then she says, she walks away. It didn't take long. She says, he's okay now, you can go in. The power of God, this woman, they didn't like her. They probably called her the holy roller. They probably called her, oh yeah, there's a nun over there, leave her alone. But when the chips came down, they called on her. And she didn't rebuke them. She just went with the authority of Christ. She knew they were asking for help. He knew the demon. Not her, don't send her. King Nebuchadnezzar, pride sets in. How, how did this man get demon-possessed? It starts off with pride. How do we get involved in sin? Whatever it might be, it starts with pride. I was drinking too much. I was selling drugs because I prided myself. I don't do drugs. How did I get there? Pride. My friend says, Bob, you need to be born again. I says, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. We even got married in Vegas and came home and got married in the church. Come on. I'm okay. Be careful with pride. Be careful with pride. King Nebuchadnezzar is a beautiful example of pride. God has to break him. We'll speak more about him next week, but this was, he built, King Herod would build big in the New Testament. This guy in the Old Testament. The hanging gardens of mighty Babylon are still spoken of today as one of the great wonders of the world. And so,
King Nebuchadnezzar, listen to his pride now, verse 1, Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and it's with six cubits. He set it up in the plains of Dura in the provinces or the province of Babylon. 90 feet high, that's the estimate. Nine feet. Now I'm thinking of a statue. Most of us have seen, you know, religious statues and generally four feet, five feet. Let's give it the benefit of the doubt, the size of a, of a good man, uh, six foot. Uh, that's a big statue, but uh, then say, well, I want the statue to stand out. So we might go 10 or 12 feet. But this statue was monstrous. And it's hard to conceive, but you understand one story, two stories. This is approximately 10 stories. Now, if you have a computer, I want you to Google this. Garrett McNamara, 2013. And it's called, uh, he's a Hawaiian surfer. And uh, he, he rode the biggest wave that's ever been recorded. They have video on this guy. Uh, March 2013. It's in Portugal. And he's coming down the slope. And you, they have to point it out to you. He's a little dot. But they did the estimates. 100 feet. They calculated later it's approximately 95 feet. So give or take 5 feet. I want you to see this statue that he made. There's different types in this statue. The head is made of gold. That spoke of Babylon. Uh, the chest and the arms uh, were silver. It spoke of Persia. And then these are empires that take over. Uh, the thighs were bronze. That speaks of the Grecian Empire. And, and then the Roman Empire is the legs made of iron. And then what's coming up in the 70th week of Daniel are the ten toes mixed with iron and clay. It speaks of the European Union. This is all coming together, but uh, the enormity of this statue Bow to it. And so he's King Nebuchadnezzar. What do you do? Look at verse 2 now. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather uh, together uh, the satraps. These are all these people that had position uh, in the government. Administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials in the provinces uh, to come to the dedication of the image of which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Satrap is a Persian word that means leadership, rulership. And so the satraps, or all the rulers, came for the dedication, verse 3, of King Nebuchadnezzar as uh, this image of gold that spoke of his kingdom, the head. I, I just stop and look at this thing and say, how? Then the law came forward. Look at verse 4. Then a heralder cried aloud, to you. It is commanded. It's an edict. It's a command. It's a law. It's a covenant. All people's nations and language that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Adore and worship. Now every time you hear the music, Bow down, and you're going to respect Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. 
And then it says in verse uh, 6 now, Whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. What's going on today in the Middle East? Muslims are coming to Christ. In the refugee camps, they're coming to Christ. And they know that they're going to be beheaded, many of them. And they know they receive Christ today. They could die the same day or die tomorrow or the next day. The fiery furnace was the cup of tea uh, at this time with King Nebuchadnezzar. Haven't we already heard and read and seen on the news? Obviously, they don't show you, but people that are put in, children, Men, women, or women separate, men separate, children separate, put them in these baskets, fire underneath, and they lower it down. History has a way of going full, full circle. Have we forgot the Holocaust that happened uh, to the Jews? History has a way of repeating itself, and yet people are coming to Christ. Denounce Caesar and you're dead. Denounce Christ, and you live. That's what happened in the New Testament. It's happening today, church. And it's not over yet. In verse 7, so at that time when all the people heard the sound of the instruments, the symphony again, all the people, the nations, the language, they fell down, they worshipped the golden image, which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Uh, you have a free will to choose. This morning you had a free will to come to church. Yesterday the men had a free will to come uh, to the men's breakfast. And obviously some work and some can't and, and such. These things happen, I understand. But you have a free will. Listen, salvation is offered. You have a free will to choose. You can choose or you can reject Christ. Nobody forces us. You know, we have a small little team here that goes and evangelizes at Young's Park and such. And they hand out their tracts and they want to share Christ with him. But there's always those that say, no, you respect it. I've been shut down many times. But then there's always somebody that wants to hear. And so we have free will to choose. And so these people chose to bow down. But let's see what happens to Daniel's friends. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. The caption of my Bible says, and before verse 8, Daniel's friends disobey the king. Notice that it says, therefore, at the time, a certain, certain Chaldeans came forward, accused the Jews, and they spoke, and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. And they come, and they put the finger on these guys. These guys are not going to worship you, Lord. They're not going to worship their Lord, which is King Nebuchadnezzar. They're not going to worship you. Now, it's interesting, the word Chaldeans here, uh, in verse 8, it's a stargazer, uh, a professional magician, uh, it's a necromancer, it's a soothsayer, it's a foreteller. This is something that was very popular at the time. And obviously, it's demonic. We have a, a lady that operates right here on Solano Street. She'll read... Uh, your hands or read the tea leaves, whatever it might be. And a lot of Christians do this. Those of you that are coming on Wednesday night, we just studied 1 Samuel chapter 28. We know that Saul is the king of Israel. What business did he have? He goes to a Midian. He goes to see a Midian. 
And even she is, uh, you know, I know who you are. Eventually she knew. And she did call Samuel down. It's the only time that we see that. There's mediums all over the United States. We need to be aware of these things. Uh, according to the Levitical law, Exodus chapter 22, Deuteronomy 18, we're to have nothing to do with that. Oh, but Pastor Bob is just a you know, Chinese fortune cookie. You know, some people buy it. Oh, it's just the Ouija board. It's just the eight ball. Oh, come on. It's just, I, I open the paper every morning. Astrological sign. I just read it. You know that some people won't leave? Oh, I, I read my astrological sign this morning. I better stay home today. Are you Christian? Yeah. And you believe that? Well, no, not really, but I read it this morning. Be careful. And so these guys come, and they're, and they're going to talk about these guys. Notice in verse 10, they set up the king. You, O king, you have made a decree, a law, a covenant, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, of the flute, the harp, all the instruments, and, and the symphony plays, uh, the music, they shall bow down and worship uh, the gold image. And whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Fiery furnace instead of beheading. That was the cup of tea then. Notice, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your God, small g, or worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, if you've studied the book of Daniel, you've been a Christian long enough, you can spit it out. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Those are not their Hebrew names. Those are their Babylonian names. But I'll be honest with you, I even forget their real names. Now, <laughs> if you flip back just a little bit, and you can read in Daniel chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Michal, and Hazariah. These are their beautiful Hebrew names given to them. In verse 7, uh, so he says, To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names, and he gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. You see, you go back and they're taken captive. Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Daniel and his friends, there was others also. They were considered the cream of the crop and they were going to raise them up in the Babylonian uh, theology, basically. They were going to train them up. Now, it's interesting that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are here. And everybody asks, well, where's Daniel? Now, Daniel was a favorite of the king. Where is Daniel? He could have easily been doing some type of business, some type of affair for the Babylonians. Daniel was trusted. He's not going to run away. He's going to go do what he's supposed to do. Except he will not worship the Lord of the Babylonians. And so there's a beautiful teaching here. And that is that Daniel can represent here the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is not going to be around during the time of the tribulation. The three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. God sustains them. This could be a picture of the 144,000 uh, during the time of the tribulation. 
the judgment is this furnace. And so, again, it's a beautiful picture. Now, Daniel, in the Hebrew, it means God is my judge. Hananiah, Jehovah is gracious. Mishael, who is what God is? And I like this. Azariah, Jehovah has help. But listen to their Babylonian's name. Shadrach, compound of a coup. A coup was one of their gods, small g. Meshach, a guest of a king. Abednego, a servant of Nego, another Babylonian king. So I love this because they take this apart. Now, some of you might not like your name. You know, you're given a name at birth. I'm not going to pick somebody's name, okay? But you can. You know some people out there. That, why would they name them that, you know? But you're proud of that name. I don't care who you are. And somebody tries to change that name. Hey, you can't change my name. I'm rubber. That's just me. No, no, no. I want to call you stinky. Oh, no, 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 no. You see, we have this little pride thing. Imagine these guys. You saw their names. Generally, their names are always biblical background type names. Took Daniel's name away. God is my judge. And yet these guys stood up to the king. Stood up. Listen to verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now you are ready. He says, at the time you hear the sound of the horn and all of the symphony, the music, you guys need to bow down. But if you do not, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Decision has to be made. I hope and pray it doesn't happen, church. But what if the day comes? Pastor Bob, you can't say that no more from the pulpit. Pastor Jay, you can't say that no more from the pulpit. When you guys get together and you have your uh, men's fellowship, ladies, you get together, you have your ladies' fellowship, you can't say certain things. That's what's going on today. And it's going to get worse and not going to get better. And we're going to have to make decisions like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We're going to have to make decisions. Trust me, if Daniel was there, he would not bow down. Because he ends up in the lion's den later, right? Right now in Middle East countries, they're making decisions. They're making decisions right now. We're talking about pride here. The audacity of King Nebuchadnezzar, such pride. Look at verse 13. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, and I love this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You know what I get from there? There's no issue here. We're not even going to argue. We're not even going to tell you we're Daniel's friends. We're not even going to tell you, listen, you, you raised us up. We're the cream of the crop from Israel. You've been training us in Babylonian theology. There's no issue here. We're not going to bow down. That's what they're saying. In verse 17, if that is the case, our God, if you're going to throw us in the fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and, we will and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. I'm thinking, what is Nebuchadnezzar saying when he hears this? He, he likes these guys. He likes Daniel too. He says, but if not, let it be known to you, verse 18, 
O king, that we do not serve your God, small g, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. This is exactly what's going to happen during the time of the tribulation. The Antichrist is going to say, worship me. The Antichrist is going to uh, conduct an image also. Again, history has a way uh, of repeating itself. Now, they were spared in the fiery furnace. And I have to share this with you. No matter what trial, tribulation, hardship, and pain, even death, God is going to sustain you. If I die, if you die, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm going to go home to be with Jesus. That's the concept in the Muslims today that are coming to Christ. Listen to verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and it says, and, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat up the furnace seven times more. Now, I love this because did they really heat it up? Verse 22 is going to prove it. Heated up seven times more than it usually is heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Seven times more. These guys obey. That's their culture. That's how they were raised. Verse 22 is going to tell us that it was hot. Now, verse 21. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Remember, there were three young men. Daniel's not there. The king's going to see a fourth man. Now, they've done research on these kind of uh, furnaces. There would probably be an opening at the bottom. But that, I, I believe that's still not enough. They probably could see the footprints. They could see the leg part. These things are heated pretty, pretty strong. But it had to have been in some type of little valley. And there had to have been like a little hill, a little knoll. And they could look down. They could see it. How hot was it when these guys came and they loaded it up seven times more? Because look at verse 22. Therefore, uh, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you can't say that it wasn't hot. It was seven times more. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace, tied up, bound up, major trial. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, astonished at what he saw. This word astonished, there was a woe. There was a, a stunned, a big, ah, what is going on here? And he rose in haste quickly, and he spoke saying to his counselors, all these uh, leaders of, of Babylon there, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and they said to the king, true, O king, true, O king. But look at verse 25. Look, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. He answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fiery, of the fire, and they are not hurt. But I love this. And some of your Bibles might say different. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. 
The form of the fourth man is like the Son of God. Now I have a capital in the word Son. I have a capital in the word God. The King James says exactly the same, the Son of God. The New King James says the Son of God. The Amplified says small g. But the Amplified gives a a reference, and I want you to write it down. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And that whole passage there, 5 through 11, the humility or humble and exalted Christ. The humble and exalted Christ. Others say it's the son of an angel. But I believe strongly that it's an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. It's called the pre-incarnate Son of God. Jesus Christ, who was, uh, who was the king that w- what he was seeing was a Christophany of Jesus Christ. He saw something. And he declares, it's like the Son of God. How did he know that? Now, I'm going to give you two references. In, Hag- uh, excuse me, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 7, Hagar and Ishmael are banned. And uh, we know that uh, Abraham has to ask her to leave. She's running out of water. And the angel of the Lord, the same context of what the Son of God is here. The word Lord is in capitalization. Joshua chapter 5 verses 13 through 15. The commander of the army of the Lord, the same word Lord is capitalized. This speaks clearly, I believe, of the pre-incarnate uh, Jesus Christ. He saw the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He saw a Christophany of Christ. It, it startled him. This is the beginning of breaking his pride. Sometimes God has to chip away, chip away, chip away that pride. I tell you, men, I know you're one of me, so I know pride. It's get, ladies, it gets in there. Pride, pride. I'm okay. You're okay. Everybody's okay. Listen to verse 26 now. I love this caption of my Bible. King Nebuchadnezzar praises God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace. And he spoke and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, he was outraged with them. Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came from the midst of the fire. Now, don't think that he walked right over there. He had to wait till the, the place cooled down a little bit. He saw those guys, they died. He uses wisdom. What were Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego doing at this time? How long did it take to cool up? Jesus is there with them, encouraging them, ministering to them. Now think about that, church. Verse 27, and the satraps, the administrators, uh, again, all those uh, that were ruling there. (laughs) And, And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. They know that they're mortal men, just like you and I. They saw the other uh, armies that went into heated more seven times. They died, but these guys, nothing. And they describe it even further. 
He says here, And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. We've all barbecued. You know what they're talking about. If you've come to any of our, uh, we do our water baptisms at Scott and Elvia's house, and the guys are always cooking. I know Mark's been there cooking. And that's it. The wind shifts. And then all of a sudden, Mark goes home. He smells like a hot dog. He smells like a hamburger. And then his dogs are liking you, aren't they? Yeah. These guys should have smelled like barbecue, and they didn't. And, you know, we've all run our arm across the stove. And what happens? That The smell of hair is dangerous, isn't it? True story. My brother goes to our den years ago, and I go, Ed, it's not a wood-burning stove anymore. It's a Sierra, a real nice stove. We got tired of the wood, and so we put gas. I said, Ed, you got to light it. Be careful. Oh, my gosh. Boom. I never knew that my brother had eyebrows when he doesn't have them anymore. <laughs> I tell you, you know what I'm talking about now. And so... Listen to what happens now. Nebuchadnezzar spoke. Verse 28. And he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies. And they should not serve nor worship any God except their God. Change of heart. Sometimes it takes a vision. Sometimes it takes a dream. Sometimes it takes reality. Sometimes it takes, and I go up to the ICU unit, and people are dying, and they say, Pastor Bob, I'm not going to make it. I want to give my life to Christ. Or they rededicate their life. Why? Because God brought them to that place now. Sometimes we have to be broken. Notice now verse 29 and 30. Therefore, I make a decree that any people nation or language which speaks anything amiss, the word amiss here, a fault against God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. And don't you just love King Nebuchadnezzar? He's not completely busted yet. Then he says, Then the king promoted Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. But it takes next week's chapter to break him. Seven years, he eats grass. Seven years, he has feathers. Seven years, he has claws like an eagle. Seven years, he becomes half man, half animal. Medically speaking, I'll give it to you next week. It has happened. It has happened. Church this morning, be careful with pride. Pride was the downfall of Lucifer. Pride was the downfall of King Nebuchadnezzar. Pride was my downfall for three and a half years until finally I, I said, Lord, I need you. Some of you could come up and testify. Every time we have our men's breakfast, we have guys testifying. And they'll say, man, I did this, I did that. And it was my pride. 
Yesterday, Pastor Alex that was here visiting and he shared, it's pride. Pride. And that pride gets a hold of us, guys. We have to be careful. We're going to end in a word of prayer. We're still going to look at it uh, next week. And we're going to continue this series, Know Your Enemy. The enemy's out there. He's alive and well. And he's tempting. And I tell you, I'm getting stories left and right. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You need to give your life to Christ if you haven't. And if you have in time passing, you're backslidden, you need to get right with God. You need to, if you're a prodigal son, prodigal daughter, you need to come back to the sheepfold. Jesus left the 99 sheep and he went after the one. Parable of the lost sheep. He cares for you. He loves you. He died for you. Come to him.